Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a heart to follow after Jesus each and every day of your life? Do you truly labor to spend time with Jesus that you might grow to know him and know his love? Do you have a lifestyle of increasingly loving Jesus and living for him? Let's open our Bible to John chapter 1 and look at the incredible blessings available to us when we intentionally follow after Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are doing well, just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, spending time in your Bible and in prayer, spending time in fellowship with other believers and in community. Um, We say it all the time, just uh, spending your life living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus. If we'll focus on those four things, Matthew 6, 33, you'll see the scripture at the bottom of the screen. Everything else will take care of itself, right? If you just seek first the kingdom of God, seek first Jesus, right relationship with him, right living with him, everything else will handle itself. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, today we're continuing in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to do verses 35 to 42. Uh, Pretty powerful verses. I'm going to go ahead and pray and invite the Lord into our time. And then we'll read it and we will get rolling. So, Father, we do thank you and praise you for the living Word of God. We thank you for the Scriptures. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, the Son of God, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you and we love you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We worship you. We ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what Jesus had said and who had followed Jesus. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, And the name Cephas and Peter both mean rock. That's the name of it. And, uh, And Peter would certainly become a rock for Jesus, right? He would become steadfast for Jesus. And it's something that the Lord is calling us all to is to be a rock for Jesus. And it's very encouraging because um, no 
no other individual in the New Testament is rebuked more by Jesus than Peter, which is interesting. None of the other apostles is rebuked more by Jesus or complimented more than, uh, than Peter. And so um, we, like Peter, are called to be a rock for Jesus, to be steadfast for Jesus, to grow in our relationship with Jesus where nothing moves us from Jesus in any manner or in any way. And, uh, and that ought to be our name as well. It doesn't mean we need to rename ourselves Peter or Cephas, but uh, that's the heart we want to have in us, is to be a rock for Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's verse 42. All right, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Okay, so John is again by the Jordan, um, undoubtedly still doing the work the Lord had given him to do in baptizing. And it says he's there with two of his disciples. Now we're told in, in verse uh, 41, the verse 40, that Andrew was one of them. And scholars tell us that undoubtedly the other disciple is the gospel who wrote, is the, uh, the, the disciple who wrote this book, the disciple John, who would become the apostle John, one of Jesus' 12 apostles and disciples. And so John does not name himself in this book. He, uh, he has a humility about him that's, uh, that's amazing. So he doesn't even use his own name. So he does call out Andrew was there with him. But again, scholars say that the other disciple is the apostle John, the one who wrote this book. And so you just see again this character of John the Baptist. He's just consistently doing what the Lord would have him to do. The next day, John was there again. And that needs to be the testimony of our lives, that we're there again, we're there again, we're there again doing what Jesus has called us to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 36, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. This may have been what John called him from now on, right? Again, when we see Jesus, right, when we talk about Jesus, when we reference Jesus, Jesus is many things, right? He's God. He's the savior of the world. Uh, he's, a, he's the greatest teacher there's ever been. Um, he's the smartest man there's ever been, the greatest philosopher there's ever been. Um, he's the greatest, greatest of everything that there's ever been, the greatest carpenter there's ever been. Um, he's the God man. But above all, you need to know Jesus as the Lamb of God. Do you know him today as the Lamb of God? The Lamb of God is, was the sacrifice. You remember in the Old Testament, they would put a lamb on the altar and they would slit the lamb's throat and the lamb would bleed out and the lamb's death would cover over the sin of the people so that God didn't have to strike down the people. So in the Old Testament, in the Bible, you'd use a, a ram or a goat or a lamb and that lamb would give its life in place of the people and the blood that that lamb shed would temporarily appease the wrath of God because of the sin of the people. We don't really have a grasp on, on how serious sin is and how serious a holy God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how serious they take sin. Um, we really have, um, we've gotten away from it in the church a little bit, but but sin is a horrible thing. Sin is so bad 
And the wrath of God to punish sin is so necessary that that's why he sent Jesus into the world to be the Lamb of God. Meaning sin is such an overwhelmingly horrific, terrible, disgusting, pungent thing in the sight of God that God the Father sent God the Son to die for the sin of the world. Jesus willingly became a human man, God the Son, Jesus, willingly left heaven, became a human man, took on a human form, lived a perfect life for you and I and every person in the world, died a perfect death for us one and all, and is alive and was risen from the dead. And he did all that. He became the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world because we needed it because we need a savior, because our sin is so horrific in the sight of God that we need our sin removed to come into relationship with God and ultimately go to heaven. And the only way for that to happen is to trust and rely entirely and totally on Jesus Christ. When the Bible says to believe in Jesus, to believe in Jesus doesn't mean to give intellectual assent to the existence of Jesus or even a scent that he lived and died and rose again. Certainly we need to do all that. But to believe in Jesus means to trust in him, to rely on him, to know your need of him, right? And out of that desperation, knowing that you're a sinful person, knowing that you need, that you need a savior, right? You call out to him and ask Jesus to come into your heart and ask him to be the Lord of your life. You ask him, right? He is Lord and you ask him to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin and to bring you to heaven when you die. When you do that and when you do it sincerely and meaningfully, again, desperately knowing your need of Christ and knowing that he came into this world, lived a perfect life for you, then was tortured and his death on the cross for you and that he's alive and risen and calling out for you today and asking you and drawing you to him that he might be your savior. And Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called out to him in that desperation, knowing your desperate need of him, knowing that the wrath of God remains on you if you haven't received Jesus to take away your sin and take away that wrath? And that wrath of God will allow us to go to hell if we haven't received Jesus Christ as our savior. It will. Jesus, when he takes away our sin, it takes away the wrath of God from our lives. And God, go, God goes from becoming our wrathful judge to our loving father. So if you don't know Jesus is the lamb of God today, give your life to him. Trust in him. Call out to him. It's not the words that save you. The words are the vehicle, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And again, that means to call on him with a, a genuine faith and knowledge and trust, knowing your desperate need of him to save you from your sin. And if you'll do that, Jesus will come and live in your heart. He's given his word, right? That everyone who believes in him, rightly trusts in him and relies on him will be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. We need to, as Christians today, all Christians, obviously ministers, but every one of us as Christians today, as disciples of Jesus Christ, right, to Chloe? Um, we need to, to, 
to declare Jesus as the as the Lamb of God. Right, Benny? Right, Chloe? Right, Peyton? Ian, we need to declare him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We need Jesus above all as a Savior from our sin. Now, yes, he also becomes our friend, our master, our king, right? Um, we come into relationship with God the Father as our heavenly Father. We get new life in Jesus Christ. All of these things are incredible blessings that come from receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. But above all, we need that Lamb of God to take away our sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So you, you heard me say that in the Old Testament, uh, the animal, the bull, the ram, the lamb that you put on the altar would temporarily cover over the sin of the people. Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of that picture. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the people, literally takes away every sin, past, present, and future, is credited to him at the cross, and the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you. And that incredible exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. As I've said many times, C.S. Lewis said that it would never, ever, ever would have been something conceived in the mind of man or in the mind of humanity. That every other religion that there's ever been, right, beside biblical Christianity, has been man-made. Every other religion except what the Bible teaches has been man-made, right? Has been made up in the mind of man. And C.S. Lewis, through reading thousands of books, came to the conclusion that only in biblical Christianity did he find something that man never would have invented, which is the cross of Jesus Christ and the exchange of that cross. Again, the exchange is that when you've trusted in Christ and relied on Christ in the way we just talked about, all of your sin, past, present, and future is credited to Jesus at the cross and the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived on earth is credited to you, right? That's, that's just like, it's an incredible, overwhelming thing, right? It cannot even be imagined. What an exchange. All of my disgusting disobedience and selfishness, all of my sin, Jesus takes into himself in repayment, he actually gives me back the perfect righteous life he lived. It's amazing. It's a love that can never be understood. Mm. If you haven't received Jesus today, do so now, desperately. And if you have, and if you're a Christian today, man, let's start living for Jesus more. Let's start helping others know, like John, look, the Lamb of God. Look at verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, this is profound, profound May, okay? John sees Jesus passing by. He has his disciples with him, and he declares boldly, look, the Lamb of God. Now, what John was doing is he was affirming Jesus that they needed to follow him. We have immense power in our words today, Stephen. Our words have tremendous power, right? When John saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And because John pointed out Jesus and used this, this title, like imagine the disciples saying, well, what did he just say? Did he just call that guy the Lamb of God? When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Frankly and candidly, um, 
very few of us, very, very few of us as Christians have a lifestyle of using our words in a way that consistently point people to Jesus, the Lamb of God. We have the power in our words. Look what, look what happens. Verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. What do people do, Scott, when they hear the words that come out of your mouth? What do they do, Esther, when they hear what you speak? What do they do, Chris, when they hear what you say? What do they do, certainly, when they hear what I say? And I confess that, that oftentimes my words are not pointing people to Jesus as they ought to. And Father, I do ask you to forgive us. Forgive me and forgive us one and all as Christians, Father. We, we have certainly failed in using our words like John the Baptist in a way that drives people to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we ask for your mercy on us. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us as we go forward to, to utilize our words in a way that's not self-serving, certainly in a way that's not vulgar and improper, but to utilize our words as John the Baptist did here so that when people hear the words that come out of our mouth, they are moved like Andrew and John to follow Jesus. Do the words that come out of your mouth cause people to follow Jesus, to want to know Jesus, to want to spend time with Jesus. Um, we have immense power in our words. And as I said, um, as a Christian church, as a body of Christ, when I say church, I mean the entire church around the world, uh, this is not something we have done well. It's something we need to certainly repent of, beginning with ourselves, and then just with one another, just helping one another to utilize our words, Nathan, to drive people to Jesus, right? I believe it's what Matthew 12, 36, that Jesus tells us that every careless word we speak will be brought into account, into judgment. And so we want to begin to utilize our words more thoughtfully, more carefully, in a way that will, will, will glorify Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us, Father. Wow. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. You know that John, you notice that John, and this is very powerful, these were disciples of John, but John's heart was to ultimately make them disciples of Jesus, not disciples of himself. Look at verse 38. I'm sorry, verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They stopped following John, and for the rest of their lives, they followed Jesus. One of the great, again, we have many things we need to correct in the body of Christ. Um and again, we, we, we just want to humbly and be excited to fix the things that are out of place. There's no condemnation in this. But as ministers and as leaders, um, and, and again, certainly I've done this, we, we can have a habit of drawing men and women unto ourselves, right? Um, we, we have churches filled with what I've called churchianity, and it's, it's not Christianity, where people are more devoted to a church or to a particular pastor than they are Jesus himself. And as ministers, this is something that, that, that in fear, in the fear of God, we certainly need to repent over. 
Are you someone who draws men and women and points them to Jesus, or are they more attracted to you? Are they more excited to come to church and listen to you talk or me talk, or are we driving them to Jesus Christ, driving them to follow Jesus? Now listen, of course, we need to go to church. We need to listen to good Bible-based, solid teachings of the Word of God and of Scripture, right? Uh, it's, It's pivotal. Right? We need to be in our Bible. But our job, like John the Baptist, is not to point people to ourselves, men and women to ourselves, but to consistently point them to following Jesus, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, forgiving for Jesus. And I'll, and I'll say again, if we're just if we're candid, if we're frank, you know, and we just and we just look at the situation, right? Um, we can become ministers and pastors where people are are looking forward to listening to us or spending time with us more than they truly want to follow Jesus and get to know Jesus. And so it's a certain area of, of repentance for us in the body of Christ, and especially those uh, those of us who are ministers. Father, I do ask you to forgive us. Forgive me, Father, where we've made this mistake. Help us to be like John the Baptist pointing every human being to Jesus and saying, as John the Baptist did, he must become more. I must become less. Help us, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So again, we want to be men and women who are consistently pointing people to Jesus. Our job should be to make ourselves unnecessary in the lives of other believers. Now hear me, that's not going to happen, okay? We do need our pastors and our elders and our deacons um, and our leaders, right? We need them, right? But our we should be driving other people to be leaders that live on Jesus themselves, who spend time with Jesus themselves. And the time they have with us is a bonus. It shouldn't be necessary. Does that make sense? Now, of course, again, we need to consistently have you know, um, church and go to church and spend time in fellowship and community and hearing the word of God and worshiping the Lord and praising him. But we need to do all these things in our own lives and our own devotion as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? It's kind of an interesting uh, phrase. Again, I was studying this yesterday. I happened to be with Jesse again, uh, one of the elders. And uh, you kind of picture these guys kind of, you know, kind of, um, they're, 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 they're a little bit shy. They're following behind Jesus. They, they've never talked to him, right? They don't know who it is. Um, they know that John has pointed him out as the Lamb of God undoubtedly several times. They're disciples of John, but they do feel led to follow Jesus, right? And because they follow Jesus, look what happens in verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, you know, what do you want? If you don't run after Jesus, okay, if you don't pursue Jesus, do you have a heart to go after Jesus today and want to be with him? Do you have a heart to follow Jesus so that he'll turn to you today and say, what do you want? And when he says to them, what do you want? It's really a question that says, are you really wanting to follow me? Is this really what you want is to get to know me? And is that what you and I want today? 
Because if these disciples, number one, don't get directed by John the Baptist to follow Jesus, and if they don't choose to leave John and to follow Jesus and follow after Jesus, then Jesus doesn't turn and speak to them. And think about the ramifications of that. If they're not willing to follow after Jesus here, then who knows what happens? Who knows if they're ever saved? Certainly we don't have this gospel of John who wrote this book, right? Are you following after Jesus today? Because if you will follow after him, if you will pursue him, right? God has given his word that he who seeks me will find me, right? You'll see that scripture come across the bottom of the screen. It's very, very powerful, right? He who seeks me with all their heart will find me. If you'll seek after Jesus today, we already said Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, right? If anyone opens, I'll come in and eat with him today, you know? Now, the Holy Spirit has to draw us to Jesus, but you want to start calling out to him. You want to start saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. And if you'll do that and you believe in Jesus and you've trusted in Jesus, then there is no question he will turn to you and say, what is it you want? And the only answer is, Jesus, we want you. We want to stay with you. We want to spend time with you. We want to be where you are, Jesus. Look what they say. They say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Because Jesus, wherever you're staying, that's where I want to be staying. Okay. Is that your heart today? Now, listen, really ask yourself that question. How much is it in your heart that you want to ask Jesus, Jesus, where are you staying? Because that's where I want to be staying. Wherever you are, Jesus, that's where I want to be. Right. And the Christian life is not just like like all mountaintop, incredible experience. Oh, I just love you, Jesus, so much. I love those times. I want to be in those times all the time. But oftentimes, oftentimes the Christian life is one where I'm having to rigorously pursue Jesus and follow him. You know, and sometimes he does turn around and say, John, what do you want? And I want my heart to be, Lord, I just want to be with you. I want to know where you're staying because where you're staying is where I want to be. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Right, man? Come, Lord Jesus. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, come, he replied, and you will see. Follow after Jesus today. Run after him. Call out to him. Tell him you want to know him. Tell you you want to walk with him. Tell him you want to know his love and experience his love, and tell him you want to love him. And surely he'll say to you, come. Is there any better words than that than to hear the words of the Savior, the Son of God, God the Son, say to you in verse 39, Gwenda, come? Right, Tommy, come, he replied, and you will see. There's nothing greater than that than hearing the call of Jesus on your life. Do you hear it today? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. They don't follow after Jesus. Jesus doesn't turn around. Jesus doesn't say, come. Jesus doesn't. They don't spend that day with Jesus. And well, 
the ramifications is they, they very well don't get to know Jesus. And that's the only meaning of your life today. The only reason you're alive today is that you will come to know Jesus, come to live for Jesus, come to give your life for Jesus. He gave his life for you and you and I need to give our lives and living for him and loving for him and giving for him and forgiving for him. That's the reason we exist. Is that we might, we might know Jesus and we might walk with Jesus and give our lives for him. Follow after Jesus today. Strive after Jesus today. Give yourself to Jesus today. Give yourself to the word of God and the son of God, the son of God and the word of God. Right, Peyton? Give yourself, Matthew, to Jesus. Nothing else matters, Leanne. Look at verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Okay, so he said, now, this is one of the two disciples who heard what John the Baptist said. Remember, John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God. And it says Andrew was one of the two. And we already said that the Apostle John, who wrote this book, different from John the Baptist, the Apostle John, who was a disciple of John the Baptist before he was a disciple of Jesus, he would have been the other one, almost certainly. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So I'll say again, do people hear the words that come out of your mouth and do they cause you to follow, do they cause them to follow Jesus? Do people, Rebecca, Miss Rebecca, California Rebecca, do people hear the words that come out of your mouth and does it cause them to follow Jesus like John the Baptist. Rebecca, I need, I need to do a better job of that, right? And uh, we all need to, right, Janet, right, Richard? We all need to do a better job of being like John the Baptist, right? Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and would follow Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, to use our words to cause people to follow you. Look at verse 41, man. Golly, y'all. Verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was go check his Instagram. He went and watched, had to get that Netflix show in, had to go do a little bit of Xbox gaming, a little PC gaming, which I prefer, right? The first thing Andrew did was go have lunch. First thing he did, he needed his nap. No, 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 no. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. There's a picture in there of what the Christian life ought to be in every one of us. Do you have a heart? Has Jesus moved in your heart so much that the first thing you want to do every day is bring people to Jesus? Now, I want to say again, we need, we need to learn self-examination, right? We need to learn this practice of self-examination and introspection because we want to be candid and honest with ourselves and say, no, no. 
This is often not the first thing I want to do. Generally, the first thing I want to do is things that are fun for me or comforting for me or priorities I need to do. But surely we all agree we need to be more like Andrew. And what needs to be first on our mind and first on our heart. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. That's the kind of heart we want to have in us. And uh, we, we do want to begin to pray that we have that heart more and more. Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us to have this heart in us. Where the first thing we want to do, the first thing on our mind, wherever we are, is to bring people to Jesus, to make them our brother and sister in Christ in Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to live for Jesus, to love for Jesus, to give and forgive in Jesus. Right, Melanie? And he brought him to Jesus. He brought his brother Simon to Jesus. Imagine if he doesn't do that. The great Simon Peter, the great apostle of Jesus Christ, right? One of the 12, the most bold of the apostles, right? He made his mistakes, no doubt. Sometimes, sometimes you don't know who you're going to bring to Jesus and what the Lord's going to use them for. You'll never know who the Lord will use you to bring to Jesus. You'll never know when you're talking about Jesus how that'll be used. You'll know one day when you get to heaven. You'll never know fully in this life. You may have the privilege of knowing that, that some young man or young woman or old man or old woman you led to Christ and now they're living for him passionately. Thank you, Jesus. You'll never know what could happen. Right, Rebecca? And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Jesus just meets him and he renames him. That had to be kind of interesting for Peter. Okay. I guess you don't want to use my mother's name. So Jesus is going to rename him here. Um, for those of you who are interested, that's right. So the great Simon Peter, the apostle Peter, right? He's renamed here by Jesus. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And Cephas and Peter are translated to be rock. And as we said at the beginning of this, Peter becomes a rock for Jesus. Steadfast in Jesus. Makes mistakes, but repents when he makes mistakes. And goes on to be a great pillar of the church of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Well, Lord Jesus, we do love you and we bless you and we praise you and we worship you. We thank you for the incredible word of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would have a heart in us like John the Baptist. Help us to have a heart in us like John the Baptist, Lord. Help us to be about the work of the kingdom and help us to consistently point out the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world. I ask you to help us, Holy Spirit, to use our words in a way that point people to Jesus, that drive people to Jesus. And Father, I ask you to forgive us where we have failed and consistently used our words in not only unproductive ways, but sinful ways. Holy Spirit, drive us to change this day. And Lord, I, I ask you to help us to follow after Jesus as Andrew and John did. And Lord, I do pray you would bless us today, one and all, as we follow after you to, to, to turn toward us again and just say, come. Many for the first time, you may need to come to Jesus, but 
Even as Christians, you can come to him every day and stay with him every day and spend time with him every day, Lord. We just thank you that you've given us this incredible privilege as your children, Father, that we can come boldly and spend time with you, our Father, our Daddy. We just thank you and we worship you. Lord, we just want to know where you're staying. We just want to be with you and spend our lives with you. And finally, Lord, we ask you to help us to be like Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, that the first thing he does, we want that to be the first thing in our heart, wherever we are with him, wherever we're with, is to drive people to Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to bring up Jesus. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this privilege to live for you. We thank you for the living word of God. Help us, Father. Lord Jesus, we want you to, to call us rocks. Lord, we know that you are the foundation. You are our rock. You are the foundation of the church, Lord. You are the foundation of everything in our lives. Yet There is no, no foundation but you, Jesus. But Lord, we want to be rocks for you like Peter was. We want to be steadfast in you. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us and empower us and lead us and guide us as we trust in you today. Father, we love you and we bless you and we worship you. We thank you for the word of God. And above all, we thank you for the son of God, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.